2: Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short and I'm joined here as always by Drew Silva. We're live on Twitch right now so welcome to our audience there. Uh, Feel free to submit questions and and we'll try to get some get to some in the next half hour or so. Uh, We're doing this show Thursday night just in case uh, you're getting the show in its usual podcast form. But uh, these live shows should be a usual thing uh, moving forward. Just a fun show to, to close out the week with guests and viewer questions and that kind of fun stuff. So uh, definitely looking forward to that as the season moves along. Uh, as for today's guest, we have one of our newest additions here at NBC Sports Edge, uh, George Montanez. George, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Glad to be here uh, talking some baseball on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, especially we're we're inside of an hour away uh, from the Mariners Indians game. Uh, Jared Kelnick batting leadoff in his major league debut. It's funny how he's he's ready to do that right from the jump. Here. Ooh, I,
3: di- I did not see that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's batting leadoff. Yeah, you know, you thought you'd think maybe a rookie getting called up wasn't quite ready a week ago or a month ago. Maybe they hit him (laughs) nine just to ease him in there. But I guess like a week of minors was enough for them to say he's our he's our new leadoff hitter. And
3: usually when you call up a top prospect like that, you do it in a road game. I guess maybe with with limited capacity, they're not so much worried about the pressure. But yeah, to put him right at leadoff in a home night game on a Thursday. Um, against a, a pretty good Cleveland team that certainly has good pitching. Um, that's, yeah. it's, it seems like a lot of pressure, but, yeah, clearly he's ready all of a sudden after, f- what, five, six <laughs> games at AAA Tacoma. Yeah. Uh, two homers, two stolen bases there, and and a, a ton of other hits, too, just giving you an idea of the five-category coverage that I think he could provide right out of the gate. Is that too much hype? Like We've seen some of these big-time prospects come up and fail. He's 21 years old. Um, I don't know we we had Christopher Crawford on last week and he thinks he's ready. He thinks Logan Gilbert's ready too. So I, I guess we'll find out here in a couple hours. And by the time people are listening to this in audio form, at least um, maybe they'll have a better idea of whether those guys are ready.
2: Yeah. Logan Gilbert, you know, maybe not as like flashy, I guess you could say as some of the other like top prospect arms. Like we haven't really heard about him as much uh, as some of the other big name prospect uh, pitchers, but uh, certainly he seems like he's ready to go, has a really good command of his pitches, uh, and might be inclined to to stick here with the Mariners. So certainly a really exciting day for for Mariners fans, for Chris Crawford, for his grandma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're definitely excited for him, and I, I can't wait to get a look at it. I'm a Mets fan, so like it's always going to be a little difficult, but I'm also like super psyched, and I have some Jared Kelnick, bowman rookie cards. so like if those at the value on those cards goes up you know i can at least uh you know get some satisfaction out of that
3: yeah gilbert yeah, is
2: that is, is awesome
3: yeah super, <laughs> i think gilbert's very intriguing and crawford was talking last week about we talked about how like his arm extension he's a, a tall lanky guy and yeah six, really good yeah really gets out in front with his fastball and that's just really effective. It's kind of what Jack Flaherty does too, who pitched a really great game against the Brewers today. Me being a Cardinals fan, I got to bring up Jack Flaherty. They get that that fastball when they they have that extension, just creates such deception when you you know throw in a slider there, or, or it helps. It, it's just it gets onto batters quicker. You know, it, it, right. if you're re- releasing it from a further point in front of the the mound, I mean that's right. that's simple physics, I guess.
2: Right. Mr. Science. Yeah. Uh, So other headlines before we get into – we're going to talk about bullpens today mostly, but we'll also take your questions. We already have one question, but feel free, you know, throughout the episode here, drop in your questions and we'll try to get to them. We'll be here for the next like 30 minutes or so. Um, Other headlines, uh, Gleyber Torres, you know, we've seen over the past day or so that the Yankees have this uh, COVID outbreak in in their clubhouse – a uh, number of coaches involved. I think Torres is the first player confirmed, right? Pretty Yeah. Sure that's
3: seven. Yeah. Seven confirmed cases among the coaching and support staff.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, and then yeah, Torres and you wonder if it might extend a little further than that. Um, yeah. He was in the clubhouse, I believe at, at some point uh, on Wednesday. And so m- maybe that spread. They, they, the Yankees had reached the 85% vaccination threshold, but, I I guess with the Johnson and Johnson, there's some – I don't know. I don't want to spread, like, falsehood, so I I feel weird talking about it. But there's some concern that you can still catch it. It's not going to be as um, symptomatic. Like, I I think only their third base coach, Phil Nevin, had symptoms, and they were very mild, and he was already feeling a whole lot better um, on Thursday. So it sounds like these are all mild cases, but you just you don't want it to spread throughout the clubhouse. So they're going to probably put Torres on the COVID IL if they had not done that already, and keep him away until he returns a negative test. I would assume so, maybe ten days or so.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And I was I was saying on Twitter earlier how like sort of what's going on right now with Major League Baseball it, it's kind of an experiment in and of itself. You have all these players vaccinated. They're all in the clubhouse like they usually would be in, in previous years. And if they've reached that 85% threshold, they may not be wearing masks as much. They're traveling. like We'll we'll see what the effects of that kind of thing are. But I feel like that's kind of a unique setup right yeah, in society. Cause,
3: right, because part of the uh, advantage of reaching the 85% threshold is you don't have to wear masks in the dugout anymore. Yeah. Um, And maybe that was just an aesthetic thing that that they were wearing masks in the dugout because they all travel on planes together with some form of recycled air. But, yeah, it it, it is almost like a science experiment, um, (laughs) like for the rest of the country. Yeah. What's it going to be like when you get people into bars and restaurants again? I mean, a ton of different states and really the country. uh, Like I think President Biden was saying, hey, you don't have to wear masks anymore if you're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. all right let's i guess we're gonna find out um right. what, what the next chapter of this pandemic is i'm re- i'm done with it to be honest like not yeah. like just done with the news cycle as someone who has to write up blurbs every time some team has an outbreak dj yeah. you know what i'm talking about George, yeah, you know what i'm talking about to some extent it's just it's
0: yeah. been
3: such a great like we, we already have to deal with lineup stuff and typical injuries and line you know situations and then Anytime a team has a COVID outbreak, there's another 10 blurbs you got to put up on the site. It's, it's
5: <laughs> Yeah, great. it doesn't seem like something that's uh, going to go away right away. We see the Padres are dealing with it right now, too, uh, with, uh, you know, Tatis testing positive. And now yeah. you have got, like, Hosmer and Myers out uh, through COVID, uh, through tracing. So, I mean, yeah, it just seems like something that, um, you know, it's a unique situation here uh, with baseball. And we're just going to have to deal with it uh, for the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, hopefully it gets better, though.
3: Yeah ProFar Jorge Mateo too went on the IL's mm-hmm. contact tracing and I mean yeah if you have two positives and Myers played 3 innings was that Tuesday night before they removed him so if there are other unvaccinated players or even vaccinated players, they could catch it too. I I wonder how far that outbreak extends. And I'm surprised they didn't actually get shut down for that double header. I was anticipating that happening. They didn't come out with the lineup until about 30 minutes till first pitch. So I think they were kind of on edge about it as well.
2: So two pitcher injuries, uh, which are really unfortunate, Zach Gallen, of course he had the, the stress fracture in his forearm during spring training right With the he was swinging the bat in the batting cage uh because we need that um and (laughs) and so he missed only like the first three weeks of the season like when i initially heard that i was like oh man he's gonna miss like half the year or something but he was back after three weeks he was like pretty good um the control was a little off but like i think he had an era just north of three through five starts now he has this um Slight strain of a UCL or whatever um, in his elbow. And, you know, the, the Diamondbacks are saying, like, when they did the MRI of the forearm, they got to see that the UCL was intact. And this was in March. So the newest scan, they saw something was different. So this is something that's new. But they think that they've caught it early enough where they don't think he's gonna, going to need Tommy John surgery. We just don't know. We've heard this before. <laughs> yeah. There's just no way of knowing right now. Um, and I think it's one of those things where like, if you're really, and there's so many injuries right now, if, like you're really hurting for a bench spot or whatever. Like, I think you just have to drop Gallon at this point.
3: I I would agree with you. And man, just in general, have you, I know last, last year, I don't even count, but have have you ever had less fun playing fantasy baseball? <laughs> <laughs> and I know yeah, we're a fantasy, between, we're a fantasy baseball website so we want to encourage <laughs> people to play fantasy baseball but it's just it it's not well, right now
2: <laughs> I had this idea earlier today I put it out on Twitter and like a couple of people liked it here's my my idea okay you draft your team in March just like you usually would or maybe not okay, well, you, you hear my concept so you draft the team like you usually do in March then at the all-star break you do a complete redraft. And then at the end of the season, like you still combine the first half stats and the second half stats, but this way, like if you're having a really bad first half, you had terrible luck with injuries. You get a chance to start over at the all-star break. And I think that brings in all sorts of like interesting variables and also keeps like the whole league engaged for the entire season. I, I think something like that could totally freshen up fantasy baseball and like the problem, I think, with, like, a season-long fantasy league, whether it's weekly or daily, is that by August, half the league isn't even paying attention anymore. I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i sure I'm not the first person who thought of this, but especially this year when there's been so many injuries, like, I think it could be worth, like, doing more often. I like it. Yeah, between COVID and, and all
5: the injuries, I mean, it, it already feels like such a grind and so much work, right, to – to get these, li- get your lineups in. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Maybe,
3: maybe it's just oh, we like we, we have to do it for a living that it's not been very fun. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe other people are enjoying it. And if, if you have the time to pay attention and, and to react to some of these situations, whether it be these soft tissue injuries, which are way up or
4: yeah.
3: um, the COVID situations, you're probably doing pretty well. You know, if, if you're yeah. paying attention and you're getting ahead of stuff, But uh, yeah,
2: Yeah. I I think it's sometimes in fantasy baseball, like they're obviously a skill. Like you have to, uh, you know, have attention to detail. You have to plan. You have to be active on waivers and sometimes trades. But like a lot of it is just pure luck of your roster staying healthy. So in a way, I think getting that reboot at the All Star break, like you get a chance to kind of even things out a little bit. So I don't know, like. Maybe next year I want to start a league that has something like that and just I see think, how yeah, it goes. I
3: think it's a good idea to chop it up like that. I mean, the baseball season is, what, like 29 weeks? If, if you, you compare that to football, what, football 17 weeks? Yeah. It, it would kind of work well to chop it up into fi- two different 15-week seasons. And I like the idea you still get rewarded for doing well in the first half to carry over your points or or your head to head record, whatever you want to call it, but that you draft a new team and a mid season draft sounds awesome to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You do it right during the all-star break when there's like that downtime. I think that's pretty fun. Um, and I also think we make like a fun like broadcast for us to do maybe.
3: Let's so. do it. I'm in. We'll,
2: <laughs> we could probably do it anyway just for fun this year. Hon- yeah. honest-
3: honestly, for <laughs> us who are like probably in a lot of leagues, the draft is the most fun part. Oh of, yeah, of the league. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No doubt. So let's let's answer a couple of questions and then we'll get into the bullpen stuff. Oh, I was going to mention Mike Soroka. He's going to have uh, exploratory surgery on his Achilles. Uh, he was our, he was out um, with the shoulder thing, right? yeah um and he tried to ramp up throwing again just didn't feel right uh with the achilles so now like who knows
3: that one really concerns me because i there have been a lot of ruptured achilles and it takes a long time to come back but i feel like it's almost 100 percent success rate those surgeries and so for him to be having complications i hope it's just like a cartilage breakup kind of scar tissue thing maybe it's that but I don't, I don't know, man. That's that's bad if that surgery is not successful for a young pitcher like that. I, I hope that doesn't, you know, I man, I, I, an Achilles is, uh, I don't know how to put it. <laughs> like it's it's an important tendon for a pitcher, uh, for any any kind of athlete, and you see it like when when a player ruptures his Achilles, it looks like he got shot. And and I'm mm-hmm. I'm worried about that in the short term and the long term, especially for the Braves who have really underwhelmed this year and, and maybe are going to lose Acuna for 10 days
2: possibly. Right, right. Uh, so again, you know, feel free to submit your questions. We'll try to get to some. We're going to answer two right now. Uh, Jay Parisi 722 asks 10 team dynasty league. Here I'll show it here on the screen. 10 team dynasty league. Alonzo and Nola for Bellinger. Who do you got, George? What do you think? Um, Alonso and Nola, I almost feel
5: like maybe Nola for Bellinger straight up might be more fair. So if you're giving up Alonso as well, I, I would, uh, I would keep that side for sure.
3: Yeah. Alonzo Nola side seems like a huge win, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially, like, I think is ready for rehab games, right? But still, even, like, factoring that in, I think you'd take the the top 10 starting pitcher and a guy who could hit 40 bombs.
3: And usually two-for-one trades like that are a trap, especially in Dynasty. But Nola and Alonzo are both relatively young. Nola's a legitimate ace. He's proven that Mm -hmm. last year, and this year he's getting better and better. And Alonzo, the raw power... I mean, he could improve the play discipline a little bit, but he's still got time to do that. And I I like Bellinger, but man, that Alonzo Nola side, I think is a a huge one. I I hope he's being offered that and he has Bellinger and is ready to trade him.
2: You know, the the other thing about Alonzo is that I think he's like unjuiced ball proof. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's a number of hitters out there where like, you are kind of noticing a little bit that the power is diminishing, but like, Everything Alonzo hits is a rocket. It's like 100-plus miles an hour, uh, and he's still hitting bombs. So, like, I don't think you have to worry about his power slipping. And not, yeah. that, not that his raw power is in question, but certainly, you know, with the state of the league right now.
3: One thing I liked to look at this, uh, like, in the spring this season was just home run distance um, because that it felt like a way to cut through the noise of this new d baseball was like, all right, does the guy hit the ball really far? and alonzo is always at the top of that or very near the top of that leaderboard i think he was top 10 last year and the previous year obviously um yeah. so yeah i feel like i agree with you that he's he's just it's the raw power and it's 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 juiced or reduced baseball proof <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah i also feel like maybe um just to add a little bit that you know maybe we're chasing that 300 average that bellinger was hitting in that first half of 2019 when you look at the rest like the rest of his career so far he's been about a 265 hitter 270 hitter uh so i, th- I think you're definitely giving up a lot of value there if you're on the alonzo side
3: there's definitely been some volatility to his categories and he's a great player a heck of an athlete uh, but i agree I, Yeah, alonzo and nola for bellinger i'm definitely taking the two
2: and bellinger's like a he tinkers with his stance all the time and his swing like You never know how that I mean, we saw in the beginning of last year how much that threw him off. So we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. Uh, So this is a perfect segue into bullpen stuff. Um, What am I to do with Luchavino and Josh Stalmont? Should I swoop Romano deep 14 team Roto? Should I go with eight starting pitchers and two closers? Frustrated (laughs) AF
3: loaded question for you, George. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So
5: I, I feel you. Um, was that a big poppy, the boss? <laughs> I feel you, man. Uh,
3: <laughs> Great name, by the way. I feel you.
5: Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Um, you know, I would absolutely swoop on uh, Romano right now. Just, yeah, just uh, that's the whole situation. You know, it's just been a revolving door with all the injuries. But, I mean, uh, really, they have no one else to go to. We saw Romano come out and strike out the side uh, today against Atlanta. They did have a four-run lead, so it wasn't a, a safe situation. But he would have been the guy and. Yeah, you see Dolis and uh, Merriweather out right now. Now, the, it is going to be interesting to see what happens when they do return because, for the most part, Montoyo has stuck to his plan of, you know, going with a, a committee, uh, going matchup-based. But, uh, yeah, for now, it, it's looking like Romano is the only guy that's going to be there, uh, and he's pitching uh, He's pitching well. And then when it comes to Trevino and Stalmont, uh, the situation in Oakland now – uh deekman has gone the last two saves but trevino did get a save this week as well that's another one that's looking more like you know matchup base it, it, it's a tandem there that, uh you got a co closer situation and then uh with stalmont the royals have kind of been slipping here right they're on a, a bit of a losing streak 11 so games,
3: <laughs> yeah went to 11 mm-hmm. games on thursday man that's crazy
5: yeah yeah so i mean they haven't really had many situations come up but it's looking like stalmont uh, is the guy there so, I would keep Stalmont. I would probably, man, it, it's tough because the Royals is one of those situations where, like, all these situations could change, like, in a moment's notice. And it, it's, that's the frustrating part, right? It's, it's been like that all year. Uh, unless you have one of those top guys, it's been just a revolving door. Unless you've gotten lucky with, like, a Melanson, uh, someone like that, you know, it's, it's been tough. So, I think I would probably rank them Romano, Stalmont, Trevino, but, yeah, it, it could flip like at any second.
3: The closer leaderboard right now is just—it's insane, man. And I, I don't—I'm glad I passed off the the bullpen report to you, George. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I had to do that to you, but I, I just—I couldn't handle it anymore. Like, yeah, Melanson. <laughs> Alex Reyes got his eleventh on Thursday. I mean, yeah. it was looking like Jordan Hicks was going to be the guy in St. Louis, or I still think Giovanni Gallegos, DJ, and I've talked about that. He's their the Cardinals' best reliever, but Reyes has eleven saves. Jake McGee, Ian Kennedy, Ian Kennedy
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> those are yeah. your top four. Like, yeah, why, why even mess with closers? I, 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 I was listening to um, an NFL podcast today actually, and they were talking about how a good strategy all of a sudden is to take a uh, what is what was it called um injury prone running backs take like all the injury prone running backs because no one trusts them but with running backs it always becomes that you know the guy you think is should be the number two overall pick that's going to be super reliable he's going to get hurt um And I, I look at the closer situation almost the same way, where oh, like the most reliable closer on the board, I'm definitely gonna spend a, a top one hundred, top eighty pick on him. Like, no, just wait until like you know, two pick two hundred to three hundred, and that's when that's where I'm gonna get my closers. And it's not gonna be a foolproof strategy, and you got to work the waiver wire as well. But um, just trying to predict how closer situations are going to go in modern baseball is a fool's errand
2: i mean look at even like liam Hendricks. i mean he's been fine like peripheral wise but like he's already given up what five homers or something like that like he's just not (laughs) it isn't quite what we've seen over the past two years um i don't know if you saw the game on on wednesday night but he was like cursing up a storm on the mound he was like so frustrated it was like pretty hilarious actually um, but I mean generally like the top of the board, like if you got Josh Hader, if you got Edwin Diaz, if you got a Roland Chapman, you're doing okay. Yeah. This is kind of what we were talking about in the spring. Like, if you got one of those like top five guys, like good on you. You know what I mean? But like after that, like we kind of knew that was how it was gonna play out. But when you're in the middle of a draft, it's hard to like you see a closer start coming off the board and you're like, I gotta I gotta get one. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I understand that impulse, but uh, it certainly has uh, played out that way. So, um, George, I want to ask you about uh, two really established closers who, you know, maybe there's reason for concern, maybe there's not. Um, but Kenley Jansen, first off, I mean, the ERA looks good right now. It's it's 1.76, actually. Um, but he's walked 14 batters in 15 and a third innings. He's giving up hard contact that we haven't really seen um over the years and also the Dodgers aren't winning right now so not a great combination there do you think there's real reason for worry with Jansen
5: Now that one is um you know Dave Roberts has mentioned that you know he's going to lighten the workload this year and we've seen it you know we've seen uh Cory come in and get a couple saves we've seen Victor Gonzalez get a save uh right now Blake Trainin is looking really good you know so he might actually be someone to to stash um, because yeah, like you said, the perver- the peripherals you know are looking a little shaky for with Jansen, and it seems like every time he's out there, like we're on velocity watch with him. If the velocity is there, he's looking good. Um, now, just given what he means to that team and and who he is, his his pedigree, his history, I, I think you know he's going to have a long leash. I, I think he's going to be fine in the end. But yeah, that that one that one's a tough situation because I I do think that you know, Roberts is going to go easy on him and you're going to see other, you know, relievers come in and get a save here and there.
2: Yeah, I think Trinan's a good call as a, as a stash. Um, L Iglesias, he had like a shaky start to the year. And it was very, you know, I, I drafted him in a number of leagues because I was like, he's yeah. not quite that upper echelon, but like, he's right there. He's like right on the cusp. So he's had a pretty frustrating start to the year. I mean, I'm not super worried about him, but I wonder how you feel about it. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about Iglesias
5: at all. You know, last year in the shortened season, he was pitching better than, you know, better than ever, pretty much. Like, the peripherals were all just the best of his career. And, yeah, he's had a few rough patches uh, here and there, but it seems like he was kind of being overused for a while. Like, um, yeah, he was getting really getting taxed. And so I, I think I think he's going to be fine. Uh, the swing and strike rate is highest it's been in his career up through this point. Um, he's, he's had a few, uh, appearances now in a row where, uh, a few scoreless appearances. So, yeah, I think uh, there's nothing to worry about there with, with Iglesias. I think in the end, he's going to be one of those, uh, you know, at the very worst top 10 closers.
2: Yeah. So at the start of the year, I or coming out of spring training. Actually, I really liked Amir Garrett to be someone who could jump into like the top 10 closers. And if you remember, he missed a bit of time. He had like a forearm thing, like a sore forearm. And then he, he started pitching Cactus League games and he was blowing away everyone. He was like, I'm taking this closer job. Uh, and, and I really believed it, you know, based off of what he's done over the past two years, but really has had a rough start to the year. He's actually serving a five game suspension right now. It's been a little bit better recently. Um, but who do we see emerging from that bullpen? Because there are, you know, quite a few number of interesting arms there.
5: Yeah. So, uh, man, you know, I think Amir Garrett fooled a lot of people, right? Uh, I, I was one of them. I, I was really buying in, but, uh, yeah, I definitely struggled. One of the reasons I had, I was a bit concerned with Garrett coming in is his splits against right-handed hitters. Uh, right-handed hitters did a lot of damage against him. Uh, Over the last few years, even last year, the runs he did give up, a lot of them came against right-handed pitching. So I was a bit concerned there. And So now that he's off off the roll, it's looking like it's Lucas Sims. Um, You know, TJ Antone has been their best reliever, but it seems like they want to keep his versatility open to use, you know, in multi-inning situations. Or he did get a save uh, about a week ago where he came in, but it was – uh sims who was there in the ninth inning things were kind of getting away from sims so garrett came in to, or, or, i'm sorry uh, uh anton came in to get the one out save but uh we saw uh, anton come in after sunny great yesterday uh and then it was doolittle and then sims for the last two innings uh it was the non-save situation so sims got the win but it's looking like he's going to be uh, the guy going forward and they're going to keep anton's versatility open to use um and you know whenever they need it
3: as they should, like. TJ Antone right now to me is the best pitcher in that bullpen. And I kind of wish we could go back and he would have a rotation spot. I, mm-hmm. I think he's really good. And t- to waste him in like a designated ninth inning role is not the way to use him. And I, I don't yeah. think – that's the frustrating thing about closer situations in general is teams have gotten smart and they, they're like, wait, why would we just wait to use our best reliever until we have a lead in the ninth inning? <laughs> like. Yeah now let's let's have him come in and put out fires in the seventh and eighth innings
2: james Karenchek is the perfect example of that yep. um someone who is being drafted as a top 10 closer and we've seen what's happened with emmanuel class a mm-hmm. you know throwing 101 mile per hour cutters uh, and just being awesome uh and he's someone you could get like um after top 300 in adp probably in in mixed league drafts this spring so you just you never know. Some Sometimes Alex race is the same way. So, so the, f-
3: <laughs> the theme of, of the show is we know nothing and we have no, no. <laughs> <advice>. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Something like that. Uh, before we continue, we have a special offer for our listeners use promo code bases 10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC sports edge can be either monthly or annual. And for any tier, not only do you get access to the baseball season tools, but all the other sports as well. NFL is going to be gearing up soon training camp, and then it will be fantasy football season. So you can use it for that too, as the baseball season moves along. So again, it's promo code bases 10. You can go to nbcsportsedgecom slash premium to get started. Uh, also keep an eye out for our new app. If you haven't downloaded it already, it's in the apps, the Apple app store, Google play app store. Uh, you can set alerts on your fantasy team or your, your favorite team, your favorite players. Uh, it's really useful. It's, Pretty much our player news page, but you can get it right in the palm of your hand. Uh, Really convenient, so uh, definitely check that out and download it if you haven't already.
4: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference.
2: So George, I want to get into your, your column a little bit, and this is within our, our season tools, uh, with NBC sports edge plus holding it down is the name of your column. And I, I feel like this is like a pretty unique take because it's not, we're not just strictly talking about, uh, closers, but, uh, talking about sort of like the TJ Antones, like the guys who are pitching the bulk roles, the guys who are getting holds, maybe some speculative closers for the future. So Who's a couple? I'm not going to give everything away. I'd like like you guys to go to NBC Sports Edge uh, Plus and check it out yourselves. But uh, a couple of names from your column this week that people should uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, so one guy I've highlighted, uh, JP Fireyzen in, in uh, Milwaukee. He's been
5: awesome, uh, and, and he's just an example of, you know. Every year we see these guys pop up, right, Uh, these relievers every year. You know, last year we saw Devin Williams and guys like Tanner Rainey and even Jordan Romano, and some of them become closers, some of them don't. But uh, it's just, um, you know, a cautionary tale of, like, you know, don't pay for these guys who aren't, you know, established closers uh, too much, like in saves, or if you're in a dynasty league, like, you know, trading for relievers is, you know, typically not a good idea, especially – in the off season. So, cause these guys pop up all the time. And so FireEyeson is just one of the latest guys who's been just really awesome there in Milwaukee. He Just gave up his first run of the season the other night. So he's got a, a 0.50 ERA over 18 innings, uh, 19 strikeouts, uh, nine holds uh, already among the league leaders uh, in holds, uh, 18% swinging strike rate. He's got a three picked uh, pitch mix, uh, slider and a changeup that he could throw to both lefties and writing. So he's got a lot going for him. Uh, only a 29% strikeout rate, but if you you know take a look again, that 18% swinging strike rate, there's plenty of room for him to to even uh, improve that strikeout rate. So, uh Fireizing is a guy who who's popped up this year that I really like.
3: And Devin yeah. Williams has not been you know the same dominant guy he was last year. I think we all expected he wouldn't continue that. ERA and, like, striking out 70% of the batters he faced. Um, Fire Eisen, to me, I I think he's earning the trust of Craig Council more and more. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of fills that Devin Williams setup role and if something happens to Hayter or if the Brewers kind of fade, you know, who knows what happens to that ninth inning role.
2: Yeah. I mean, typically, you don't want to pay for – Devin Williams after the kind of historic season he just had, especially when you know he's not going to get saved. So that was kind of like a trap, I think, totally. this mm-hmm. year. Um, I'm not saying, like, he was going to be terrible or anything, but, like, you want to look for the next Devin Williams, and you don't mm-hmm. have to pay for it on draft day. Like, that's kind of the whole the whole point of that. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead,
5: George. Um, yeah, I was just going to bring up another guy who's just been kind of uh, up and coming uh over the season, uh, Austin Adams and San Diego has looked awesome. He started now he has, you know, a track record of injury, and that's kind of the thing that's held him back. But, uh, and they did acquire him from Seattle last year and, uh, start the season on the injured list. But since he's been back, you know, he had a couple shaky outings. He gave up four runs over his first three innings, but since then he's gone 10 straight scoreless appearances and he's been striking everyone out. He's got about two strikeouts, uh per inning since then uh he's got 11.2 or 11 and two-third innings uh on the year now 23 strikeouts and it seems like he's kind of working his way up the order there as far as um you know the holds go there in uh in san diego he's got three holds but he's a guy to keep an eye on who's been really lights out now uh, over the last few weeks
3: he was so nasty down the stretch in 2019 uh with the Mariners, I remember just watching his outings, and be like this guy could be a star in a relief role. Um, and then what, what was the injury he had? Was, was it an arm thing or was it like some kind of knee thing? What, he, he missed some time. He, he like barely pitched in 2020, kind of fell off the radar after that trade. Uh, but yeah, he's, when he's healthy, he, he like, yeah, 23 strikeouts already in 11 innings this season. He had 51 strikeouts and 31 innings in 2019 with the Mariners. And I, the Nationals kind of let him get away.
2: Yeah, I feel like the Padres have so many nice weapons in that that bullpen. Uh, I feel like I've watched a lot of Tim Hill. <laughs> He's like always <laughs> pitching whenever I turn on a Padres game. Uh, I love those like sidewinder pitchers, and uh, it's hard to get a good look at him. So um, we'll take another question here, and then we're going to wrap things up. Um, so here we go. Time to dump Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler. Um, it's so it's I wouldn't dump Solaire, and it kind of depends on what your alternatives are. So. I was going to
3: say it's so situational. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's hard to answer it fully, but I wouldn't give up on Soler's power because I feel like he's, like, de-ju- de-juiced ballproof too, uh, with the kind of hard contact he can make. Dozier's kind of handy, and then he's eligible at multiple positions, which, with all the injuries we're seeing, I think is a good thing. Um, but I think he's generally replaceable. Um, and even if he does get on a hot streak, like it's not going to hurt you too bad. I think you can find a, a replacement and you'll be pretty happy. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I would drop both of them. And again, it's, it's kind of really hard to be one size fits all without knowing the context of the question.
3: I also think, I mean, yeah, 11 straight losses for the Royals is really disappointing, especially with the way they started the season. Like they were in first place in the AL central, I don't know, a week ago. <laughs> like our yeah, week, it feels
2: like it <laughs> a week
3: and a half ago. I mean, yeah, life comes at you fast. Um, yeah. but Dozier, I, I feel like we would have said this in the in our positional preview episodes too, DJ, that he's pretty borderline. Um, yeah. Even you know, and he does have multi multi position eligibility, but he's replaceable at those positions that he's eligible, like third base and outfield and first yeah. base.
2: You know, I I saw something interesting today. I I was doing waiver wired, and and I put Danny Santana in the AL only recommendations because it looks like he's going to join the Red Sox soon. Uh, And I think two years ago he had like 19 homers, like 23 stolen bases. He was almost a 2020 guy. So in Yahoo, he kept his 2019 eligibility. So he's eligible at first base, second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield. So. Keep that in mind if you need some help, because I think he's going to be up soon uh, with the way things are going uh, in that outfield. Because they got uh, Franchi Cordero in the Andrew Benintendi trade, and Cordero has been terrible. You
3: know what, yeah. man? Save this clip, Danny Santana. He's going to go off.
4: I, love I think
2: it. he. I think he might. You know, in Fenway Park, like yeah. I. I think. Uh, jaron duran is eventually gonna wind up in in boston sooner rather than later but like it might be in a month like who knows but santana should be up soon
3: they'll have opportunities for him no doubt i like that i like that take
2: all right that's a good way to go out i think (laughs) Uh, (laughs) george george man thank you so much for for coming on this is this was a lot of fun to go through these uh, bullpen situations, which are really frustrating, but, uh, you do it with a smile on your face. So, so we appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. <laughs>
5: yeah. If, no if, you,
3: if you can like keep your faith in humanity and do the bullpen report in in the year of our Lord, 2021, <laughs> you're great You have a good
2: home. We'll see what you look like in August. Like you're gonna have like a huge (laughs) beard. This all be white right here.
3: Drinking, drinking whiskey, just chain smoking.
2: (laughs) All right, man. Thanks a lot, George. Uh, If you like what you're hearing with this show, circling the bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Thanks to our audience on Stitcher. Thanks for the questions. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. George is Roto underscore N-I-N-O. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Sills. Be safe out there and we'll see you next time.